welcome to episode one of In the Abstract, the Lakeland Title Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson, the founder and owner of Lakeland Title. We're broadcasting from uh, my offices on Blue Bonnet Boulevard. And for our first episode, we have a very special guest. It's uh, Crystal Coppola with Kelly Williams Red Stick Partners. That's the uh, Kelly Williams office right down the street on Blue Bonnet. Uh, Crystal's been a realtor for many years and a good friend of mine for also many years. And so we'd just like to welcome Crystal to the show. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> uh, so uh, this show is going to be... Uh, just where we talk about the real estate industry with people who are actually in the real estate industry. And so uh, you've been a realtor for a number of years now, so uh, I just want to start off by asking, uh, how did you get started in the real estate industry? Yeah. Uh, well, a couple of different reasons. Um, it was something I always thought I might want to do. Wasn't sure if I wanted to do it or not. I had a friend who was in the market of real estate already, and uh, he kind of kept encouraging me as we went along. Uh, and uh, every time I'd see him, he mentioned it, and it just kind of kept that little ideal in the back of my head. Maybe this is something I do want to do. And uh, I was working in the world of real estate, I mean, real world of retail. Okay. And, uh, so that was a big change, but yeah, that was uh, just that encouragement. And my husband was finally like, let's do this. <laughs> so. Uh, how's it different from working in retail? <laughs> oh, uh, a lot of things in common, actually. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's um, very fast paced. Oh, yeah. um, Always a surprise, you know, never boring. <laughs> but uh, the biggest difference for me and the reason that I did real estate was I needed the freedom of flexibility. Um, we had a major life change. My husband's uh, career, my career, where we were both traveling a lot. We had a son that needed somebody's attention and it got to the point where he was traveling as much as I was traveling and uh, that wasn't gonna work. So somebody had to have flexibility that chose to be me. And uh, so I thought real estate would be a way for me to be my own boss and make my own hours and still be able to make a decent amount of money so okay. uh, that was kind of the decision for us okay so is that what you say you love about real estate just kind of the flexibility or the flexibility but I also like the fact that um, you're helping people accomplish their goals and I think you know even when I worked in retail that was a real important thing to me because I always strive myself, I was a trainer for the company I worked for, and I trained all of our staff, all of our district managers that came in uh, would work with me and then go out into the field. So being able to see other people accomplish what they want to accomplish gave me great satisfaction. And it was just something I took pride in, of being able to see somebody else do what they really wanted to do. It's kind of the same thing with real estate. You know, you've got somebody that's either going to buy a house or sell a house. Uh, you don't know if it's a succession property and they're having to deal with the death in the family. You know, that's a really tough time for people and being able to get them through that and have them thank you in the end is a, a great accomplishment. Um, you've got people going through divorces, you know, you've got the new homeowner, which that's always, you know, one of the most exciting ones because, you know, they're new, they're green to it and you get to educate them along the way and you get a lifetime, lifetime relationship with these people. So it's uh, very rewarding from that standpoint. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that because... Uh that's why I love doing closings too. It's always fun just to kind of kind of meet people and see what's going on in their lives. You get kind of a glimpse uh, into what's going on with them. And the new homeowners are the are the best. Yeah. It's somebody's first time buying a house and they're just all excited about it. And, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're always it's a rewarding day for everybody when that happens. Oh yeah. And the sellers are always happy because they're getting a nice check. And then, yeah. So. <laughs> That's the way it's supposed to work, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so if you were talking to somebody that was uh, kind of in your similar situation, uh, thinking about starting a career in real estate, uh, what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you give them? Well, I guess it would depend on the situation. For me, like when I first started, I had a career. I was making a, a decent income and I knew I would have a paycheck every single week. Um, when you start real estate, one thing they need to understand is it's definitely commission-based. It's strictly up to what you do. If you're used to working a nine-to-five job and drawing in a paycheck and you know it's going to be there consistently, they need to take into consideration the fact that 
they're going to have to get out there and really hustle for that money, and they're going to have to um, take the time to build a data a database, you know, yeah. of people that they can network with. So, you know, the first thing they need to do is maybe if they are working somewhere else, go ahead and get the training and, and get their um, real estate license ahead of time, so that when they leave that job, they can hit the ground running, um, and they might start off part time. I mean, it just depends on the situation. I think the biggest thing for me was the fact that I had a friend that was in the business that I could use as a mentor and someone to kind of help me get started, mm. um, which helps a lot because it's a it's a little overwhelming when you first start with all <laughs> the different aspects. And you know, I think I spent the first six months saying, "Okay, what the heck am I doing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing now?" You know, so uh, having that mentor and having somebody in place that can help guide you through the process is uh, is a big thing. But it's a great career. I mean, it does give you the flexibility. You're your own boss, but you've got to be somebody that's very self motivated. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that because uh, actually I have my license still. I don't do anything with it because I just do closings now. Right. But uh, I got my license in uh, in law school. So when, when I took the real estate exam, it wasn't all that difficult for me because I'd already learned a lot of mm -hmm. those, you know, kind of property terms and kind of how, you know, property law works. Uh, but for somebody who just kind of really had no no background in real estate. How, how hard was that test? Was it, was uh, it killer? It was, being the Louisiana test, it was a little difficult. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. you have to learn it two ways. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. we're the only state that's a little different here with yeah. all the uh, French influence. But um, I did okay. I mean, I, I studied. Like I said, I was still working in my retail career field. I studied for 90 days. I went and took the exam, and I was lucky because I've heard not everybody passes the first time. And um, so I went in with the impression of, oh, gosh, I might not pass this. <laughs> but I did, and, uh, you know, I turned in my notice the day I passed it and uh, 30 days later I was working with Keller Williams oh, yeah. so, but it you know it, it is definitely something that if you have not practiced law oh, yeah. I think it's a little confusing and so it does take some time and effort on your behalf to learn it Oh yeah. So. so, and then finding the testing center is also hard. Uh, yeah, you you know my story, huh? <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I went to the wrong place. Well, I had I always had that trouble too because uh, I was in law school in New Orleans when I took it, uh, okay. and so I had to get. But it's they're always in some weird place that's well, like, hard to find, like with no, with the, like a tiny sign or no sign at all. Right. And so, well, I was uh, I went to the wrong place, so oh, yeah. I'm with you on that. Oh, yeah. I got there and they were like, "This is not where you go," and I'm thinking, "Oh crap, this is strike one." Okay. <laughs> and then I got to the place to the where I was supposed to be and I told him I'm there and I was late of course because okay. I had to go all the way across town okay. I said okay this is strike two and now you know I've gone in with the anticipation that I might not pass this test and so I go in the guy said well you're late just wait a minute I'll get a computer for you I think I got one more left he goes in there he gets on the computer the computer's no good oh nice it doesn't nice. work yeah. <laughs> so I'm like okay this is strike three this is not a good sign <laughs> But it all worked out. No, those are all, those are all good omens. Those are all good omens. And it, it made you relax because you were yeah. thinking like all these calamities, there's no way I'm going to pass. And so you just kind of relaxed and went with the knowledge that, that you had. And so that's that's, right. that's what did it for it you. It worked. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. We'll take it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this is a question I got from uh, from a friend of mine uh, who asked that at a bar of all places. But uh, so I decided I'd incorporate it into the podcast. Uh, what's one of the most difficult business decisions you've ever had to make? The most Difficult decision I made was leaving a job that I knew exactly what I was doing. Uh, I was the expert, so to speak, going into a career field I knew nothing about, you know, and that was real estate. So um, that was uh, a big jump, you know, because you're going from a, a base salary of knowing exactly, you know, this is the minimum I'm going to make to zero dollars could be what I make if I don't get out there and hustle. So. Um, that was probably the most uh, scary decision I've ever made, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was the right decision because um, 
um, you know, here I am now and I'm making more than I was back in the retail world. And I had been at that for 20 years. So, um, and I have the freedom to be with my family and do things I really want to do too. So uh, that makes a difference. So you think it was the right decision? For sure. Yeah. For sure. I mean, leave, my son it. thinks so too, but sometimes I think he wishes mom would just go back to work. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's <laughs> running around all the time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But, but I don't, I don't miss the main events now. So, oh, yeah. you know, I, I'm able to work my schedule around the football that he's playing or whatever he's doing and uh, be able to be there for him when he, I need to be there. So yeah, he just started high school, didn't he? Yeah, freshman. Oh yeah, How, how's that going? <laughs> going well. We're a Santa Monica Gator this year. Oh so. nice, nice. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, because I mean that takes a lot of courage to leave a 20-year career to just start it, something completely new. It but. did. It, it, I think it was Steve Harvey says, you know, you, sometimes you just have to have faith and jump oh, yeah. off the cliff and hope the parachute opens. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it did. You've done you've done very well. So the parachute did open. Thank so, you. Yeah, yeah it's it's been a it's been a fun ride so far. Hopefully, oh, yeah. it continues. So. Uh, and so I know that you deal with a lot of sellers uh, mm -hmm. in your career. So uh, when you're talking to sellers, what kind of advice do you give them before they put their house on the market? Well, the honeydew list needs oh, yeah. to be done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the number one. Um, the other thing is just to, you know, make sure that they are hiring a professional realtor that they feel very comfortable with and that they trust. I think trust is the biggest thing. You know, there's a lot of us out there, um, realtors, there's a lot of different ones to choose from. There's, what, 3,000 or more of us in the industry yeah. now in Baton Rouge market. Um, you know, everybody's work ethic is different. And I think it's real important that you pick the right one for you. It's somebody that you are comfortable with, that you trust is going to really have your best interest at heart. Because really, I mean, it's your, it's your biggest investment you have for most people. And it's, it's real important that, that realtor be somebody that's actually looking after your best interest and not their own. Okay. So, um, but that honeydew list is a big thing because, you know, any type of improvements that need to be done, any type of uh, maintenance issues that you have, it might be a $500 repair, but when it comes down to it and you're negotiating in a sale, all of a sudden that $500 repair is now a $2,000 repair exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, to that buyer. So, yeah. and, and the inspector's going to catch it. Correct. So, you they know, are. And just, you know, really put yourself in that buyer's position. If you were out there buying a house, you know, I want, I always want my sellers to think about if you were buying this house, would you want a house that you had to do this work in? Would you want to have to come in and do this? You know, no matter who the seller is, the person that's buying that house, this is news to them. So they basically want that house to be in brand new shape, even if it's not brand new. So that's something that sellers have to really think about. Yeah. It'll make them get more for their house too. It'll yeah. sell for a lot more than it will if they have to do work in it. And uh, just from my perspective, uh, you know, what I tell sellers is uh, just kind of get everything in order. Because uh, a lot of times, you know, once it gets to me, uh, the contract's already done, the inspection's right. already done. And then something will pop up like there was a probate that was never opened. Yeah, you know, exactly. Granddad passed away, and nobody ever no opened probate, and so now we got to do that. Oh and gosh. you know, we can get it done pretty quickly a lot of times, but still, that's going to delay delay the, the closing. closing. So if you got people, you know, scheduled to close at a certain time, and we have to open a probate and uh, and you know get the title cleared up, that's going to take a while. And uh, credit card judgments too, that's a big one. You have those credit card judgments that pop up when people are selling or buying, because that affects both ends. Yeah, and so, the other part that you know a lot of people think that as a seller they think whatever their mortgage statement says is their payoff amount. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. it's not true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you so, need to yeah. call and get mm -hmm. your true payoff. Yeah, because they always estimate that. Yeah, they estimate that this is going to be my payoff. This is how much I'm going to pay the realtor. These are my fees for this, oh, yeah. and they don't actually call and get that true number. And oh, yeah. they need to know that. I mean, yeah. you mm -hmm. want to make sure you're not going in the hole when you're selling your home. You want exactly. to be making the profit you really think you're making. 
million, yeah. <laughs> not less. Because that mortgage company is going to charge you for every single penny of interest. Correct. But they're not going to you know, let you slide on any of it. No, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, but the credit card thing, that one pops up a lot. It's like they got that credit card in college and they forgot to pay it. And now there's a big oh, judgment gosh. on there. And when uh, when a debt collection attorney gets an email from me asking for a payoff, like they know uh, this person's trying to get a house, so I don't have to negotiate at all. I can just charge them the full <laughs> the full rate. But if you negotiate that on the front end, you can you know make some deals with the you know any creditor that you owe and right. and make things a whole lot easier on you later. Exactly. So, uh, well, let's talk about the other side now. So what do you tell when someone's buying a house, when you get one of those buyers? The buyers, you know, I think the buyers, the one thing that the realtor can really do for them is help them understand the market. Um, a lot of buyers think, oh, you know, I can take my time, I can negotiate, I don't have to, you know, I can sleep on this a couple days and then I can make a decision. That's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially here in Baton Rouge, we've been in a market for a lot lately where the seller actually has the advantage where if you sleep on it, you might not sleep in it. <laughs> um, but that's one thing that it's real important that if you have a realtor that can give you that information and say, okay, look, you know, it is a buyer's market or a seller's market. And what I mean by that is buyer's market means that you do have time to sleep on it. The inventory is a little high and there's a lot out there to choose from. A seller's market is when there's not a lot of inventory. So if you don't make an offer, somebody else is going to get it before you get it, um, that type of thing. But as a buyer, I think it's real important that you're educated on that so that they don't go in thinking, okay, I can ask for $10,000 off this home. (laughs) And you can't because it depends on the market. You know, if you're in a buyer's market, you might be able to get $10,000 off that home. If you're in a seller's market, that's not going to happen. You're pretty much going to end up paying full price for the home. Um, The biggest thing, too, is that they need to talk to a lender. They need to have, they need to partner up with a lender that is hopefully local that can really sit down and talk with them and tell them about their budget uh, and make them feel comfortable. Because the thing is, you might qualify for $450,000, but the note that comes with that, the mortgage payment, oh, yeah. might not be so comfortable with that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. So you might decide, you know what, 250 is really where I want to be, even mm-hmm. though I can qualify for this, because I don't think what you want to be house poor. You know, you want to exactly, be able to still yeah. take that vacation and mm-hmm. spend some time with your family and not have to worry about, I can't pay the mortgage if I take this vacation. Oh, yeah. So, um, and I think that that's really important that they set the budget, not mm. me, not the lender. It, it's it's their money, it's their decision. So, um, and then it, we have to be respectful of that once they make that decision. But um, they've definitely got to partner up with that, that lender and make sure it's somebody that they feel comfortable with. Yeah, and uh, speaking of that, we had a closing uh, the other day and the lender was just awful. Oh, they were, uh, of course, they were out of state, so I think they were in Nevada, somewhere like that, and just See, they don't know the market. They don't know the market. They just didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't their first day, but it seemed like it was, uh, <laughs> just because they kept asking the same questions over and over and over again, asking for the same documents over and over and over yep. again, and uh, the closing finally happened. But it was all just kind of because of the strength of will of everyone involved that they were going to make this closing happen, because the lender was just awful. So I mean, and that's and that's where a good title company came in handy, right? Yeah, good title company, and if we if we'd had a good lender. Uh, yeah, like the transactions that we do together, we always it's have very smooth. We always have good lenders. We, we got do. Brittany over at Bank of England, and yep. she always does a great job. Her team is great. She does, uh, but they're here. They're here local, and you know we've worked with them before. Uh, it makes these, a huge difference. And I don't think people, especially buyers, they don't realize that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially your first-time buyers, you know, mm-hmm. they're on with Quicken Loans or different places that are national companies, and mm-hmm. they don't have that one-on-one contact and it makes a huge difference especially when the underwriting is local too exactly yeah because um, so. they, they, they know someone to call in that Correct. in that national office that they can get things done Correct. so it does make a huge difference it does so, yeah. uh, and so let's talk about uh, one question I had since you work with a lot of sellers uh, about lowball offers do you have sellers that get 
personally offended by lowball offers? Yes, <laughs> we do. Oh, yeah. um, and you know that's just the nature of the beast. It, that's where the realtors come involved, and as agents, we have to really make sure that we keep the emotion out of it, mm-hmm. and that we deliver the message, and that we stay professional with each other. And that's really important. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, from a real estate agent to real estate agent that we always have to keep in mind is that that low ball offer is testing the waters and you know and i always try to tell my seller look they're just seeing what we can do you can always counter you know (laughs) i always try to keep the the process going i hate to see it when somebody rejects an offer Mm -hmm. but there have been times where i've had a seller that's like nope reject that really not entertaining it (laughs) so Yeah. yeah it can be very offensive and that's one thing again that that when that realtor and that buyer are talking that realtor needs to inform that buyer this is the current market value of this home and if you do this you could offend that person i think that's a conversation that needs to be had and if the buyer wants to make that lowball offer then as their agent then we're going to put it out there oh yeah <laughs> but i'm just gonna i i would be the type of you know person i'd be like okay i'm just gonna let you know you might upset him enough where he doesn't even want to talk to you after this so oh, yeah. let's think about this before you do this um, and then you have to let that buyer make that decision. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely happened. Yeah. <laughs> I've uh, had a few. <laughs> yeah, well, well, back when I sold real estate, uh, you know, before I had my law degree, uh, you know, I was working with my aunt, Angela Garino. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she helped me a lot when I first started. My cousins, Cormie and Jerry. So <laughs> yep. I was working with all them, and uh, they would always say, like, never, you know, try to not to let your, your client reject an offer. Like, Correct. always counter. Just keep the conversation going. Correct. Because, I mean... You know, once that conversation's hard to start, and so it once is. you start it, just don't let it, don't let it go. And if it ever <laughs> gets ended, oh, yeah. it, sometimes it's real hard to get started again. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one of the ones I did, uh, I was working for the buyer, and the seller just flat out rejected, yeah. flat out rejected the offer. We we went back a couple times, but in the end, they just, you know finally said no, we're not doing it. Uh, but then two weeks later, got a little phone call saying, if you want to submit that same offer again, we'll we're ready to. <laughs> We're ready to take it. So yeah. So, <laughs> so that was a lucky one. <laughs> yeah, but they, they could have had their the house could have closed two weeks earlier if they had just yeah you know, ta- taken that initial offer. But exactly. Yeah, so. uh, That's and right. so, what, what do you think is going on in the Baton Rouge real estate market right now? Do you think it's buyers, sellers? How's it going? It's actually very balanced right now. It's uh, we've got about a five month supply. Anytime you have a five to six month supply, that's considered a balanced market. So really, nobody has the upper hand. You've got uh, a market that the sellers are getting pretty much close to full price. They're getting about 97% of what they're asking for on their properties. The buyers, uh, on the other hand, are um, getting uh, you know a, a decent value. They're getting a good value, and the, the interest rates are really good for the buyers right now. <laughs> so that's where they're coming out ahead. And you know, I always try to tell people, a first home buyer, it matters to them. I think the most of where the market is because they are going in, and if they're going in and it's a seller's market, then they're not going to have as much equity as they would if it was a buyer's market right up front. But when most people, a lot of people that aren't first home buyers, they've got one to sell and one to buy. Mm-hmm. You're going to get your money one way or the other. Oh, you're yeah. either going to get it as a buyer or you're going to get it as a seller. And that's what I try yeah. to explain to people that are doing both. You're going to either make a little more as a seller and pay a little more, you know, or pay them a little more as a buyer, but it's going to even out one way or the other. Oh, yeah, I've never, um, never thought of it that way. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah, it balances. That's <laughs> yeah. why it's considered a balanced market oh, yeah. when both <laughs> people come out okay. Yeah. But um, the new buyer is the one that it affects the most, I think, when it's not balanced. Uh, whether it's good or negative for them, but when you have the interest rates like we have right now, I mean, it's it's a oh, great yeah. market for them too. Oh yeah, so. those interest rates are crazy low. They are, <laughs> and what's really interesting about the inventory out there is we have a balanced market. However, the really good stuff 
is going really fast. Oh, yeah. So uh, I think sometimes it's a little misleading because it looks like it's more balanced than it really is because you've got a lot of inventory that has set for a long time because it's not the best. It oh, yeah. doesn't have the best location, best price, best condition. Oh, yeah. Those are sitting a little bit longer. The ones that have all three in common and go on the market, they sell very fast. So it's still a market where if your buyer is out there and they find the house that they think is right for them, they've got to act pretty quickly. Yeah. So. Uh, talk about uh, a little bit, when does a listing go stale? What is the... Well, 30 days is your best. That's your best. 30, yeah, 30, the first 30 days is your best opportunity to sell your house. And people um, get sometimes offended by their first offer because it's not full price. <laughs> but usually they say statistically that your first offer is usually your best offer. Oh, really? And I always try to remind my sellers of that. I'm like, look. Yeah. <laughs> so, because, you know, if you get an offer within the first 30 days, you, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get a full price offer, you know, no closing costs. Not necessarily the case. Oh, yeah. And these days, most people are asking for closing costs, too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, you want to try. That's, that first 90 days is, is your true peak time. And in that 90 days, after 90 days, it can become stale. And it's time, you know, I always tell my sellers, the first two weeks, if we don't have any showings, then that means something's not right. Mm-hmm. Either the price doesn't match the condition or the location, something's not right there. So we need to look at it and reevaluate. Um, if we have good showings in the first 10 days and we don't have an offer, then we also want to look at it. Um, but after 30 days, if you are not feeling like you're getting a lot of showings, then it's it's time to make a price reduction or do something different. Okay. Yeah. So, but that 90-day window is the prime time. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, and what about the whole uh, real estate season? What do you think about that? Like some people say, you got to list your house at the start of spring, and you can't. You don't want to be listing it in December. <laughs> I've, I've never really thought that's true, but that's well, just a personal thing with me. I don't think. I'm with you. I guess history is the peak season Mm. is during, you know, the spring and summer because that's when people are thinking about, okay, you know, if we're going to, if we have kids and we're going to, the schools and different things like that, that is definitely our peak season, but it doesn't mean it's our best season because I think as long as your home is priced right and the condition is good and all that matches, I think no matter what time of year it is, you can still sell it. I think that, um... A lot of people confuse what peak season is with the best opportunity. It's not always the same. Um, but our peak season is definitely spring and summer. Okay. That's, but it, it's not always the best season to have your house on the market. It depends on what's right for you in the time. Okay. It can sell regardless. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and anecdotally, I don't have any you know numbers on this, but uh, it seems like you're seeing a lot less for sale by owners these days. Have you noticed that? or? It depends on where you're at. You know, uh-huh. I think I think if you're in a subdivision where they think they have a hot commodity, you're seeing some of it. If you're in more rural areas, you don't see as much of it. Um, but for sale by owners, I mean, that's that's a risk you take. I agree. <laughs> you know, I, agree. I mean, it's. I don't know. They, I don't think a lot of people realize the risk that's involved when they put a, a home up for sale by owner. And you know, um, as a buyer, I always say beware because sometimes a for sale by owner, that's their opinion of what their house is worth. And yes, they're always going to think their house is worth more than it might be because they have an emotional attachment to it. Where mm-hmm. when a realtor is involved, we've run the numbers, we've crunched the numbers, and we've given them the facts, mm-hmm. not emotionally what we think our house is worth, but what the numbers show it's worth, what the market shows, and what the trends are. We're not basing it on emotion. We're basing and on the numbers that are there, proven history. Yeah. And uh, the story I always tell whenever you know somebody asks me if they should do for sale by owner or, or get a realtor uh, is a story I tell with my brother who, when he moved to town, uh, he had, he was living in Atlanta with his wife, and they would just come in on weekends whenever they could, and they would want to see a whole bunch of houses all on that weekend. Uh, and so on one of these you know showing outings, 
there was one that was for sale by owner, like, you know, across the right. street or a block away from one they were looking at. And uh, so they said, oh, let's, you know, we're here. Let's just take a look. And so they called. And for whatever reason, the owner couldn't fit a new schedule to come out there and show it to them. Well, they had to go back to Atlanta. They were just here for the weekend. And they never saw that house. Well, ended up buying some other house. And so if they had an agent, <laughs> yeah. you know, the agent could have said, yeah, give me, you know, give me 30 minutes to get the owner out of there. And then you can, yep. you know, open the lockbox and go in. Exactly. And maybe they would have seen that house and loved it and bought it. We, you know, we'll just never know. Exactly. But that was a, kind of an opportunity that was missed all because that person wanted to save, you know, what, five percent which is really not a huge amount right. when you're talking about you know well, hundreds of thousands of dollars on a exactly. house exactly <laughs> the statistics show that most sellers make more when they actually list with a realtor than they do doing for sell by owner because they end mm-hmm. up having to reduce it yeah. and they get mm-hmm. rid of it quicker mm-hmm. they're not you know for sell by owner takes longer to sell than it does when you have a realtor yeah, that's and what I've noticed in my area is that you'll see the sale by it. owner and then right. three months later it'll have a realtor they'll sign out there. They'll have a realtor anyway mm-hmm. and they're going to pay five percent to that realtor anyway if they would have yeah. hired that realtor to begin with they would have already been had it sold and probably sold it for more than they would have you know to begin with for sale by owner oh yeah because mm-hmm. it's it, it's statistically known oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. some people just don't want to believe the data no they um, don't yeah, so, yeah, so. uh well, do you have any upcoming listings or projects you want to talk about or anything? Oh, gosh, we got a lot going on right now. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we've got Pelican Lakes, um, which are the uh, little townhouses that we have. They're two-bedroom, two-bath out there. Uh, they're off of Burbank and Pelican Lake Park Parkway. They're uh, about 1,000 square feet. I think we only have about eight left. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we've pretty much sold right on through those. So um, there's not many left, but they're 165 It's a great price range. We've had a lot of first-home buyers in there. Oh, yeah. And then we've also had uh, people that are downsizing, you know, oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. they're, they're at that point in life where they don't want that mortgage payment as much anymore and so they're getting something a little more comfortable um but that's out there and then off of burbank and uh, pelican lakes parkway too we also have a stone lake we have the townhomes out there we've got two different types we've got a one story that we're fixing to start doing again it's um going to be 1400 square feet three bedroom two bath and then we have a three bedroom two bath that's about 1600 square feet as well out there um and then we have cottages at South Fork, which we're just about finished. We've got two left out there. Oh, only two left the on that two. one. The two. Okay. That's been a project for a couple of years now, yeah. but it's, it's so. on the downhill slope. Yeah. So. so anybody listening, you want to get into that cottages at South Fork while you can. Yep, just two. That's it. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, and I've been out to all these places, and they are uh, they are great places. So built by Art Lancaster. Yep. So it's Lancaster a very good builder. Mm-hmm. Been in business for a long time. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, anything else you want to discuss or anything else you need to talk about? <laughs> no, I just uh, appreciate you, everything you do for us. And, I, you know, we close here a lot and uh, we are spoiled with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but you do a great job for us and I really appreciate all your partnership with us. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm spoiled with y'all, too, because, uh, yeah, doing y'all's closings is, you know, very easy because the, the lenders that you use and everybody else that you use, just we've, we've got it all down and so we can... Teamwork, it makes the dream work. Right? Oh, yeah. We, can just, we just get them done quick <laughs> quick and right. easy. Quick and easy. And, and so that's what we're always striving for. We want the closing experience to be fun and easy and, you know, no, no hiccups or anything like that. So that's what we're always trying. Smooth experience trying is what to we do. want them to be. We want everybody to leave the table happy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, uh, well, thank you for being our uh, inaugural guest well, on the show. Well, thanks for having yeah. me. <laughs> so the, the plan is for the show to be about once a month, but who knows? Maybe it'll get insanely popular and we'll have to do it uh, more often than that. But, there you uh, go. Yeah, that's the plan. So, uh, yeah. So thanks for kicking it off for us well thanks for having me i oh, yeah. appreciate it and uh, thank you to our producer chris courtney so he's helping us helping us out here uh trying to pretend like we know what we're doing yeah exactly but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and for anyone else out there who's who's listening thanks for listening so uh, subscribe to the show or if you're watching this on youtube subscribe to our youtube channel and we'll see you next time take care